welcome to the Indiana 4-H Clover Call podcast, where our goal is to share information about the people and programs that make the Indiana 4-H Youth Development Program such an important part of our communities. We welcome youth and adult 4-H volunteers, 4-H youth and their families, extension professionals, and any others who are interested in providing positive opportunities for youth. We thank you for joining us for this episode, which begins now. I'd like to uh, welcome my guests here today. Uh, we're talking today on our Clover podcast for uh, our volunteers, particularly um, about what is 4-H inclusion. My, my name is Liz Beiersdorfer, and I am the 4-H educator in Dearborn County. My name is Katie Sweet. I am the 4-H Youth Development Extension Educator in Hendricks County. Hi, and I'm Adam Tyler, and I'm the 4-H and A&R educator in Fountain County. Well, thank you both for being here. And one of the reasons that I ask Adam and Katie to be um, part of this, this podcast is because I know that both of them have done some things specifically uh, to help work with inclusion, our 4-H inclusion. Um, and I, I do want to recognize right at the top that we realize for inclusion is more than just ability or disability. Um, inclusion, when we talk about 4-H, is socioeconomic circumstances, race, ethnicity, um, gender preference, all of those things. Today, Katie and Tyler and I, or excuse me, Adam and I are going to talk about um, ability and disability and how that affects our 4-H programs, especially during meetings, activities, or our fair. We'll start with letting Katie share a video. Uh, this comes from the Opportunity for All uh, that shares a little bit about what inclusion is and why do we need it. In 4-H, we believe talent is everywhere, but opportunity is not. And the gap this is creating between our kids is only getting wider. There are many causes, but it mostly comes down to race, what their parents earn, and where they live. This can mean less investment in schools, in after-school programs, and in community services. It's all made worse by unequal access to education, technology, healthy foods, and the mentors who inspire our young people. The recent pandemic has pushed some kids even further behind. It's time we provide opportunities for all our kids. It's time to invest in their potential so they can help our communities and our country thrive, not in the future, right now. We believe nothing should hold a kid back. And if we all pull together, nothing will. Visit 4h.org today and join us. Thank you, Katie, for sharing that, that video clip. Um, I really feel like uh, Inclusion does uh, try to work with all of those elements that they talked about in our 4-H programming. Um, and there's all things that, lots of things that we have done uh, to address each of those situations. Today, as I said, we are going to focus more on ability or disability of the youth in our program. Um, and so let's start off by uh, just saying that we're here to help our volunteers feel more comfortable in reaching out to every child in their program, whatever, whatever they're dealing with in their own life, whatever challenges that they're facing. And our job as 4-H youth educators is to help our volunteers uh, 
or learn the tools and the skills and have the supports that they need in order to be successful. As I always tell my 4-H family, um, it takes a village to run the 4-H program and the volunteers are the heart of the program. You are the army that goes out and touches every child. I am the person that's the general, I guess, standing back telling them uh, how to move forward. But we really depend on our volunteers to be that active, uh, caring adult that are reaching our children. So let's start off, um, having said that, with uh, Katie, can you share just a few of the things that you have done to help provide supports for your volunteers, as well as your 4-H families, uh, to feel more included? Absolutely, Liz. Um, so there are four things I guess I would like to highlight that Hendricks County specifically has worked on um, when it comes to working with youth with disabilities. Um, I have very, very passionate volunteers um, that also have a background in working with youth with disabilities. So I will say that um, I have that kind of positive um, extra support on my end from our volunteers. Um, but four of the things that I'd like to talk about we're doing here. Um, first is we have an inclusive message that we share on all sorts of resources. So as part of Purdue Extension, we do put on the bottom of things that go out, whether it's our newsletter, mailings, you know, we have Purdue University is an equal opportunity, equal access, affirmative action institution. Um, we should all have that on our, our stuff that goes out county to county. Um, Hendricks County has taken that a step further um, and we've added some wording uh, based on the inclusive 4-H uh, wording on the Indiana State 4-H website. <clears throat> Excuse me. And so we have uh, that we have put out on a lot of different things. It says Hendricks County 4-H is committed to creating a diverse, equitable, and accessible environment for all members, past, present, and future. If there are any accessibility needs or accommodation requests for you to be able to fully engage in the 4-H experience, please contact our office and then we provide that information. Um, so that kind of leads into the second thing that we have done um, is we actually have what we're calling an opportunity for all um, form that we're working on uh, as an extra support for our families that have youth with um, a disability or um, additional accommodation requests that they might have. Um, and we've taken uh, resources again from the inclusive 4-H, Indiana 4-H site, um, from Ohio State University and a couple other states that have done um, uh, some similar things. And so we're working on putting together a form that would be an opportunity to have a conversation with 4-H families about the best way that they can experience our 4-H program and what reasonable accommodations we might be able to provide if needed. Um, and so those two things kind of go hand in hand, but we also, when we were working on this with my volunteers, we also realized that volunteers in general will also need that additional support. So um, this past fall, we actually had a uh, volunteer training specifically for working with youth with disabilities. Um, and we partnered with some organizations in the area to bring in guest speakers, do some activities, um, and really talk about what it looks like to have youth with disabilities in your club, project, program, whatever it may be. Um, and then also this 
fall, we had an inclusion table at our uh, open house. So um, during our open house, for uh, potential 4-H members and current 4-H members got to explore different projects, areas of 4-H, lots of hands-on activities and stuff. But we made sure we had a specific table for inclusive 4-H, um, where we had volunteers, staff that were that were able to talk to families about, again, what this might look for, for look um, like for you and your families, um, and how we can best support our 4-Hers. Um, so those are four of the things that we've really tried to do in Hendricks County. And I know we'll talk about this a little later, but this really stemmed from our uh, Disability Inclusion Day at the Hendricks County Fair um, that we have been doing for the past couple of years. But I will talk about that here in a little bit. Thank you, Katie, for sharing that. And yes, we will come back so that you can describe that in more detail. Adam, what are some things that your county has done to to make people feel more included? Thank you, Liz. Yeah, I think the biggest thing that we've done here is just really get that communication started. You know, and one thing that we found is that, you know, we have parents that have have youth that, you know, have a disability. We one thing that we've really tried hard to do is just begin and bridge that communication with those families to kind of eliminate that fear. Like they weren't a hundred percent sure if my kid can do 4-H. You know, can my kid go in the arena? Can my kid do this project? And one thing that we've really um, tried hard to do with you know our volunteers is not be afraid to start that conversation. You know, if you have a parent that has a child start that conversation. You know, let's see what we can do. Let's not say no, let's find out how we can make it a yes. You know, and really, and we've had really good success with this. And one thing that we found too, is that when we start that conversation with these parents, so many of these parents are like open books. You know, they've been through so much and they've seen their kids and they've known some accommodations. They've been through different opportunities. And then I've learned things, you know, and it's been really neat just talking to some of those parents because they can give us examples of things they've seen, opportunities they've heard from others, you know, within their communities. And we're able to take that and be able to bring that into the program and maybe use that tool in a different way to where we're able to, you know, help them out. And it's really exciting to do that. But just, and also I think the big thing too is just, letting those parents know we're here for them, but also we're willing to listen to them has really helped kind of get that excitement going with those families because now all of a sudden it's like we have a voice. And I think, you know, when we look at inclusion, you know, and really including everybody, yeah, we're including those kids with disabilities, but also we need to think about those family members too, you know, because how many of those parents and family members, they didn't really feel like they were included because they were the parent of. And now we're bringing them into the conversation and they appreciate it because now they're not only able to help their child, but they're able to help others. And that's been really exciting just to watch, watch those adults just be able to help. And, and it's neat because, you know, some kind of were like, well, I don't know, you know, can we do this? Yeah, we can do it. Let's figure it out. And we've and we've actually seen, you know, additional kids and additional families come into the programs because it's like, I think we're beginning to eliminate that fear of, you know, the what ifs, but let's see how we can make it happen. You know, and I love it. And it's been really exciting to see the journey and see where we're gonna, you know, where the future is gonna lead us. I'm I'm really excited to see that. 
Oh, I'm I'm so glad to hear that that piece um, and that get it done attitude. Mm-hmm. You know, that's really what 4-H educators are all mm-hmm. about is let's get it done. Um, and and then our task is to help our volunteers work with our volunteers and our families to make it happen. And I know volunteers, as I said before, they're on the they're on the front line. They're the ones that are greeting these kids and these families. And I would just share that if there's any any volunteer that doesn't feel comfortable in having that conversation with a family privately, you can always contact their extension educator to help with that process and and to make it um, easier for everybody. And I know um, Katie mentioned their opportunity for all form. And that's a little bit more formal. Uh, that might be an easy way for some volunteers to approach it. Others, uh, like in my county, we don't actually have a form, but I always encourage my uh, volunteers to talk to those families and ask uh, those same questions. What kind of accommodations do you need? What are your um, expectations for us? And how can we help you make this be a better experience? Um, hey, Liz. Okay. Yes. Can I add on to that? I was going to say, and I think... Um, the, the key thing here across all of our experiences is that communication piece. Um, because we as educators um, don't know what we don't know and our volunteers don't know what they don't know. And so um, we're all we're all on the same team. We all do want our 4-Hers to have a good positive experience and have that opportunity to grow and learn. And so I think it's just being willing to, to have that um, conversation and not making assumptions either, going into the conversation and making general statements to the whole group of how 4-H is an inclusive environment. And they don't have to be experts on any certain topic, whatever um, area of inclusivity you're looking at. Um, But we just want them to make sure that they are being there for all of our youth and opening that door up uh, for families to also step up and have that conversation. Um, Because we don't want to make assumptions about what kids can and can't do. Um, And so just being willing to to communicate with our families, whether that is yeah formal form or just in general saying, hey, I'm here for you. I want to know how I can best help too. And I think that that kind of leads, I'd be remiss if I did not mention that the State 4-H webpage has a section on um, inclusive 4-H resources. And it, it lists all kinds of scenarios uh, there's some short videos on there that kind of talk through different different uh, things that you might come into contact with. Uh, there's also some resource sheets that give you more information specifically about uh, individual types of disabilities, be it physical or um, cognitive. Um, we've got autism, we've got ADHD, emotional and behavior uh, disorders. Uh, And then we also have some resources in there for uh, more prevalent medical conditions that you're likely to have uh, to see with your kids, like asthma, diabetes, and so forth, as well as some less um, prevalent uh, cerebral palsy, uh, cystic fibrosis, epilepsy, and so forth and so on. Again, all of those conditions are things that could make a volunteer feel really uncomfortable uh, being in charge of a child who might have uh, some kind of a, an, a something going on in their lives that they don't know how to help them or how to control. So that conversation with the families is, is imperative um, to make it a, be a positive and 
a situation where we're proactively taking steps we need to in order to help those families and those children. So let's come back. Uh, I would like to, to come back to what uh, Katie talked about, about her inclusive fair day. So Katie, can you please share some more details about that? Yeah, so all of um, the resources and um, kind of trainings that we have recently done in Hendricks County really stemmed from our Disability Inclusion Day at the Hendricks County Fair. Um, and this was an idea uh, put together by a small group of volunteers that, again, are very passionate about reaching all audiences, um, specifically families that have youth with disabilities because they have worked in a, a field there or they have education in that um, field. And so it's something that they're just really passionate about. And so um, a couple years ago, we kind of did a, a small test run with a local organization, um, and we had about 30 participants come um, participate in like a two-hour window uh, during the fair. And during one of our quieter days, we had some booths set up where they could see different 4-H projects. Um, we worked with our ride company to be able to do uh, carnival rides with lower lights, um, lower sounds, and like slower rides um, instead of the really, really fast ones. <laughs> um, and, and so that was really awesome. And then last year, we really ramped it up. Um, we got more volunteers involved. Um, we reached out to more organizations within the community um, and asked for support and assistance. And I mean, they turned out, it was awesome. Um, we had more than 350 participants this year. Um, and so what our day looked like was we had a flyer that we had created that we gave, we tried to plaster everywhere. I mean, social media, different organizations, and it talked about all of the things that people would get to experience um, with our um, Disability Inclusion Day. And so that was free admission if they had that flyer to the fair. Um, that was they got a free gift because we had a check-in station. Um, so they got a free gift that uh, was from our 4-H council and included information about our 4-H uh, program. Um, and then we had fair board people there uh, to help uh, with different aspects of the fair. Um, we had different um, stations that they could visit throughout the, the time. Uh, our carnival again was on board. And so we had free rides um, for the participants so that they could ride with less lights, less sounds. And we lowered our sound system um, volume over the fairgrounds entirely that day. Um, we had extra people at our demo garden to be able to answer questions and talk about our sensory garden. Um, we had 4-H uh, members in one of our rooms that had a lot of different like STEM activities that were very hands-on. Um, a couple of our community partners worked with us to turn one of our offices um, or like our conference room, a small conference room into a sensory room for the day um, that had free water in it. And it had, you know, beanbag chairs and all sorts of different fidgets and um, anything that they might need to, to be able to release that energy as needed. Um, and so it was a really awesome opportunity to not only get people to the fair, but to also talk about how 4-H really is a place for you and for your family. And um, we want to uh, make sure that we are open to everyone. And so a lot of people think 4-H, so they think the fair. So that was kind of our starting point, I would say, of um, which has led to deeper conversations, deeper um, evaluation of our program. And are we really being inclusive or what should we be improving on? Um, because we had such a great turnout for that. And we got such great feedback from parents um, and several people returned and were invited back to our 
4-H open house in the fall um, because we asked for, you know, if you want more information, please fill out this. And so we had several people say, I didn't even realize I could do 4-H. Um, and this was has led to more conversations. So um, that day at the fair has been awesome. And it doesn't have to be super expansive. So if you want to, you know, take a nugget back to your county, that is something that um, would be really awesome. And just a great way to, even if you make an, a concerted effort to reach out to organizations that work with youth with disabilities and remind them that 4-H is there for them, that's at least a starting point um, and, and could build, you know, future partnership opportunities as well. Um, so. Yes, and I, I totally agree. Thank you for sharing that story because I feel like our volunteers that are listening are going to be able to pick out something that, hey, I could maybe take this and make this work um, or something that they could take back to their educators. And also, um, that kind of always know that your 4-H educator is there to support you. If you need help, if you need resources, if you need support of any kind, that is what we are here for is to help you make that happen. <clears throat> and if we don't have all the resources that we have, we will find them for you and make sure that you get what you need. So um, I appreciate you sharing that. that that's kind of a big picture aspiration of how we could be more inclusive in our 4-H programs. Uh, Adam, I know that you have a story that I would love for you to share about something that your your group did for a livestock child. Yes, um, we had um, a few years back. We had a young boy. He was he's an amazing kid. This he has he's I just I love working with him, and he has a heart the size you know just the biggest heart you'll ever you'll ever see in a kid. I just and I and it makes you so happy to see somebody like that because they do have true joy. And this opportunity, I feel like, has really helped him grow and has kept him involved in 4-H now after this took place. And what this happened was, is it was his, he was showing, he was going to show hogs this, that year. But the unfortunate thing is, is that because of his disability, working with his mom and his dad, they, you know, we were concerned because he had a very severe cognitive issue where he had a hard time being able to process so during so he had some processing you know motor issues and what he would struggle with we were concerned is the fact that if he got into a large group in the in the arena he wouldn't be able to find his his hog out there and we also wanted him to be able to identify the judge because you know the way we process things is not how he processes things so we talked and we worked together very closely with this family and after talking to the volunteers they realized because at first there was you know there were some questions like is this going to be fair for the others you know because if we have an animal that has a mark on it or is the judge's mark you know all these questions and I realized everybody was like look you know what let's make it fair for him so you know what everybody has the opportunity to participate why can't he participate so we were able to mark his hog and so when he went out in the arena, he was able to process it by seeing the color and that helped him process which animal was his. We worked with the judge and the judge was actually able to put on like a fluorescent, uh, fluorescent vest. So he was able to identify the judge and he had a blast out in that arena, you know, because he was able to participate with everybody else. And to see his smile and to see the joy on that, that kid's face, oh my gosh, that was the, it just warms your heart because, you know, 
it makes you really stop and think, you know, how many, you know, these kids, they are, they're just like us. They may see things differently. They may process things differently, but they have a heart. They have feelings the same as us. And to see them have true joy and to be able to truly enjoy what everybody else does and not be looked at as different, but be looked at the same as everybody else. It was so happy to see that opportunity. And I think other, and that was one thing I really feel like others in the community and that whole area, they saw that joy. And each year, you know, it's always like, what can we do to help him? You know, let's, you know, let's not hinder, but let's boost. Let's, you know, and I feel like that's also led to other families starting to ask that question that have kids, you know, their children with disabilities, you know, we'd like to get our kids involved, you know, what can we do? And I, and I really think those are the kind of things and those little steps make a big impact because it starts a conversation that sometimes isn't always the easiest conversation to start, but you made that kid's day, but others saw that enjoyment. And now it's made it easier to start that conversation and hopefully not only help one student, but maybe we'll help 10, 20, you know, who knows in the future. And that's what our long-term goal is. And but it was it was it was an amazing day, and working with that kid ever since has just been amazing. Every opportunity we get. So, thank you so much for sharing that, Adam, because mm -hmm. I think that really hits the heart of why we're having this discussion today. Is we want to reach those kids, we want to make their experiences joyful, and um, this conversation has also been really heart touching to me as well because I have a child with Down syndrome, and he did participate in 4-H. And so to hear other people talk about their passions for helping our kids who, who have a challenge in some way makes me feel really good about the 4-H program. As a mom, yeah, I always wanted that great program experience for my child. Uh, but knowing that other people care just as much is, is really a, a powerful story. And I think I'd like to end... Um, We'll end this thing today. Uh, I'd just like to share a little story about my experience. I took some 4-H uh, to, to kids in the classroom. I went to their special ed classrooms. And um, Adam talked about, you know, they, they got to do things that other kids did. And, and that didn't echo so strongly uh, as what it did for me last year when I went to the high school classroom in particular. And after they they had created their project and we had a judge come in and have a little conversation with them, talk about it. And then they got their 4-H ribbon. And one of the girls just started crying and said, I can take this ribbon home and show my brother that I can do things just like him. And I think to me, that was such a powerful um, experience. And it, and it says what all of our kids, they just want to be able to participate and, and do what everybody else does. And so, um, what are the small steps that we can take in 4-H to make that happen are going to go a long ways towards making um, all of our kids be more open and welcome. And as Adam says, and Katie says, uh, brings the whole community together to, to support. So um, does anybody have any final comments? Otherwise, I would like to say thank you to Katie. Thank you to Adam for being here with me today. Um, if not, then I'll just say sayonara and thank you for visiting with us today. Interested in learning more about Indiana 4-H? We invite you to visit our website, extension.purdue.edu slash 4-H, or contact your local Purdue Extension office and ask for the 4-H Youth Development Extension Educator. 
be sure to subscribe to this podcast so you won't miss an episode. We look forward to joining you again on the next Indiana 4-H Clover Call.